Okay, good morning, everybody. Wow, isn't it good to be able to get together both first service, second service, everybody together? You, you'll be seeing people you've never seen before. <laughs> welcome, welcome to everybody online this morning. I'm Iria Sato, I'm the founding pastor of the church. Uh, how many of you during this uh, pandemic have felt really restricted, restrained, and uh, frustrated? How many, how many of you have had that kind of uh, emotions? Okay, just half a dozen of you, really? Um, I can honestly say I felt restricted, but I didn't feel like I lost any kind of freedom. But people have been affected emotionally, uh, career-wise, vocationally, financially, in so many different ways. Uh, I, I took the time, and I've heard of people who've taken the time during this pandemic with the kind of time restrictions, travel restrictions, uh, social restrictions, all of those things, and turned it around and made it something that was really positive and helpful. How many during this time uh, found that you improved your life th through two years of pandemic? How many felt like you improved your life? Uh, how many felt like you really struggled and it was really tough? I don't think we've got too much of an honest congregation this morning. <laughs> Nobody's answering. Uh, I thought we're gonna have to be locked up at home and right across the street, my son lives with a back uh, yard that actually is cemented in. And so we decide, I decided, I'm gonna get to know my grandkids during this time and every, almost every single day, we played pickleball and both, I don't know if Asen's here, Asen and Paige got really, really good at pickleball. And I got good, and I thought, oh, this is really terrific. I get to learn how to play pickleball. I've never learned how to play pickleball before. And so it was really positive. And for our senior group, we started with about, we, we started the pandemic with probably about a dozen seniors. And we, I never wanted to venture into the technology of Zoom to be able to get on the computer and talk with people. And all of a sudden we were forced into it so today, we've got about 30 that regularly meets together, and we've got people from Texas, from uh, Salem, Oregon, from Kauai, from Oahu, plus Maui. And I'm thinking, that would never have happened if we didn't go through the kind of restrictions that forced us to do something different that we never did before. And I think... For those of you that have taken this time and actually improved your life, <clears throat> improved things that you've done, I think that's a challenge that uh, God puts in our lives. And so we're going through a whole series right now, and I, I think I'm ending this. I'm not sure what, the, what Pastor John, by, by the way, Pastor John's not here. Uh, how many of you enjoy the ministry that he gives to us every single Sunday? How many of you enjoy that? <clears throat> I'm his dad. I'm his dad, and I... I'm shocked at the kind of stuff that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> and, he, and, and he says, um, you know, I've learned it from my father. And I'm thinking, I never taught you those things. <laughs> and it's really good to get insights into his life when he was growing up because I never knew he did some of the naughty things that he did. <laughs> and we've had, we've had uh, police officers in our congregation that are just sitting at the edge of their seats saying, don't tell us the things that you've done, because we're gonna have to arrest you. 
yeah, so I've really, really enjoyed that. And we're going, we're just um, jumping into this series we call uh, Inflection Point. That everyone coming out of the pandemic, uh, because of all the restrictions, will go wild with wanting pleasures. Or you can open your heart and realize what it was teaching us, and it was to teach us our need and our dependence for God. And so we are looking at three things, love God, love others, and serve the world. And today we're looking at serving the world. You know what our natural tendency is in our lives? Our natural tendency is not to serve others. You know, for the time that you're born, you see a little child, and what is their attitude towards life? You know, give me, give me, feed me, clothe me, take care of me. And that attitude doesn't end. Right? How many of you know grown children and babies? <clears throat> you know, there's a self-centeredness about all of our lives. I remember, uh, I remember a story about uh, two older uh, couple man and a woman, the husband was having a lot of physical problems, so they decided to go to the, the physician to figure out what was wrong. <clears throat> and um, right after the whole checkup, the doctor looked at the wife and said, can you just ask your husband to wait for you in the car? I just need to talk to you and got her into his uh, private office and said, I just need to be really serious, uh, letting you know what's going on. Um, I think your husband is going to probably die in about three months, but you can change that. Uh, what you have to do is just make him happy. You know, don't upset anything in his life. If he's emotionally calm and peaceful and uh, everything goes well, you know, make sure the house is clean, that meals are served on time, have sex whenever he wants to, when you, when you just make everything peaceful for him, I think he can live another two years. And she walks out into the parking lot, sits down in the car with her husband. And the husband looks at her and says, what did the doctor say? She said, you're going to die in three months. <laughs> we have lived so long with our lives centered on ourselves that I think we need something to inspire us to live beyond ourselves and pour our lives into the lives of others. I want to talk about the Good Samaritan this morning. <clears throat> and you know the story very well. In fact, this has been an influence all over the world. Wherever you go in the world, you'll, you'll hear the story of the Good Samaritan. There's a Good Samaritan art that has been painted and uh, created all throughout uh, history. <clears throat> there, there are names of organizations and hospitals and groups, missions groups, uh, financial groups. There's even um, a, a medical uh, sharing, not insurance, but a sharing program that's called Good Samaritans. And there's, there's those kinds of, and in fact, in our church, we do a ministry every single year at the end of the year. I don't know if Debbie's here this morning, Debbie Rodriguez, and it's called Samaritan's Purse. How many of you have heard of Samaritan's Purse? Operation Christmas Child. And there's, there's just plethora of uh, good Samaritan 
uh, agencies all over the world because of this story. Uh, when we just went to Israel this uh, last month, for the first time, we went to the Museum of the Good Samaritan. And um, it was located in Jericho, where the, the event takes place. And we're going to take a look at the scriptures right now. <clears throat> and I want to ask you to just bow your heads and pray and ask God to speak to your heart this morning. Father, this morning, <clears throat> we know that our natural tendency is just to uh, pour uh, resources and energy and all that we have in our own lives and for our own families. But you have called us not only to build our lives up, but to help the lives of others. And we pray that you bless this time as we look at the scriptures and look at how uh, we can have the opportunity to bless others and in blessing others, bless our own lives. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, amen. And Jesus answered and he said to a, a lawyer that came to him trying to trip him up in his theology and his understanding of God, asking about the, the commandments, which are the most important commandments. And so Jesus is explaining all of this to him. And he says, and Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And there's people like that all over the world. They are they have been attacked, they have been injured, they're hurt emotionally, relationally, financially, and they're left without life in them. And there's an opportunity that every single one of us have to be able to touch lives like that every single day around us, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our schools. <clears throat> and the scripture goes on and it says, by chance, everybody say by chance, by chance, you know, I, the scripture speaks many times of uh, accidental events that are not really accidental. In the purposes and the plan of God, everything happens according to how God designs it. By chance, there came down a certain priest that that way, thank you, Mona, he, he passed by, and when, when he saw him, so the problem this man had was not going unnoticed he saw it his eyes saw it and somehow something was going on that was registering in his brain that gave him a justification as he looked and he said um i don't know i don't have time i've got an appointment uh i don't have the resources i'm not capable and he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, this is really interesting. The first person was a religious person, a spiritual person that should have had compassion for people uh, who were destitute and helpless and injured. And likewise, a Levite, and a Levite is an assistant to the spiritual leader, when he was at that place, came and looked on him. He saw him too. I don't know if their eyes met. And he turned his eyes away and he passed by on the other side. Two came by and walked away. And a certain Samaritan, I don't know if you know about Samaritans. Samaritans were the ostracized group 
of uh, people that lived in Israel. They were uh, half Jews and half alien. They were from, they, they had moms or dads that uh, were not is Israelites. They were not Jews. And so they were despised. And they had religions of all different kinds from all over the world. And so the Samaritan village was always looked at uh, in a very negative light. In fact, they were a hated group. They never associated together with uh, the Jews. And a certain Samaritan, now a person who was not religious, not spiritual, a hated person, ostracized, as he journeyed, he had a specific destination. He knew where he was going. He was on a schedule. You know, there's... You can either uh, be rigid in your life or you can be very flexible in your life in spite of the schedules that you have. You know, I'm, I'm a very rigid person. <laughs> I like schedules. Uh, I, I like to plan out my week. I hate for anybody to interrupt it. And you, you know who's a person that always interrupts it? She's sitting in the back row <laughs> in a red blouse. <clears throat> and if my schedule is going to get interrupted, Susan's going to do it. And a certain Samaritan, as, she, as he journeyed, came where that injured man was. And when he saw him, this is the thing that made him stand out from the first two men. The first two men saw, and they walked away. The Samaritan saw, and the Bible says, what happened in his heart? What happened in his heart? He had compassion. Everybody say compassion. Compassion. And he went to him. So compassion drove him. He went to him, bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, took all of his resources, and with his resources, helped him, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, a place where he could be cared for, and personally, you know, they didn't turn him over to the innkeeper and say, you take, he said, it took care of him. And on the next day, so he stopped his journey for a whole day, slept overnight in this inn with this broken, injured man, and then when the morning came and he was ready to depart. He took out two pence, took out his own money, gave it to the host of the inn, and he said, take care of him. Whatsoever you spend more, when I come again, I'm going to repay you. What a generous man. I'm going to take care of the bill for this person. Which now, uh, now Jesus is coming to his conclusion as he's talking to this, uh, this uh, lawyer. Which now of these two thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the man responded, and he says, him that shows mercy. Mercy and compassion are the same thing. There's, there's gifts of mercy. There's gifts of compassion. But God's called all of us to be merciful and compassionate. And this is what Jesus says, go and do likewise. Everybody say that. Go and do likewise. God wants us to be able to do what this Samaritan did. And all across the world, people are doing that. 
the, wherever the church has gone, that's where hospitals, that's where orphanages, uh, that's where all types of uh, agencies that help other people develop. <clears throat> There's a balance between self-care and service. You know, it's important to take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to have the resources and the energy to be able to help somebody else. And so in helping others, you can, you can go to an extreme where you so exhaust and uh, fatigue your own life that you have no energy for yourself. I, I've known a lot of people like that. Um, there's a man that came and spoke at our church uh, that had a church of two, 3,000 people. Every single week, he was in one or two conferences all across the nation. And, one, and he, was, he was doing this constantly. Just, he was able to handle what he was doing in his church and travel all across the country. And he was sharing that one Sunday evening after he finished um, preaching and was ready to hop on a plane, he was in his office gathering all his materials. So all of a sudden, all the strength and energy he had just drained out of his feet. He was sitting there with no strength, no energy. Couldn't figure out what was going on in his life. Ever feel like that in your life? All, all of a sudden, you're going, going, going. Uh, Morning and noon and night, your, your busy, hectic schedule, and all of a sudden you have no energy to take the next step. Wondering what happened. <clears throat> so he got, uh, he, he got examined and found out that he had totally uh, depleted his adrenaline glands. Totally. It was all gone. They said there's no scientific medical way to be able to restore that again. And by a miracle, God uh, led him to Christian uh, health workers that was able to restore him to half the energy he had before. So he had to gauge his life in such a way that he was not overextending himself on a regular basis. And and I believe that sickness and illness and different kinds of problems come to us as a blessing because we're not slowing down enough to be able to rest and take... Look, look at what uh, this author said. Rest and self-care are so important. When you take time to replenish your spirit, it'll allow you to serve from the overflow of your life. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. God wants us to be strong, healthy, wise, resourceful, and out of that resourcefulness, help others. And you know, there's a blessing. I'm going to just tie this up right now because uh, I want um, Carol, Tom, and um, Rhonda Felix to come and share uh, what they did with Feed My Sheep this past, um, this past Saturday. You know, there's a blessing in serving others. I don't know if you, you realize that that uh, those who pour everything into themselves, live for themselves, live with uh, their resources, just accumulate uh, as, as much finances and wealth and uh, personal property as they can. Uh, this, you know, I, I feel like one of the things in the past three to four years the Lord's been teaching me about is that 
we can live long and we can live healthy if we understand what are the ingredients that's involved in making us live long and live healthy. And one of the tragic things in America is that <clears throat> the medical science has been able to help us live long. But the last 10 to 20 years, or you know, most people, if you ask them, how long do you want to live? They say, uh, I don't want to live too long. Maybe 70 or 80 years old, because I've seen people who live beyond 80, and they're not living, right? I mean, that's, that's, but what if you could live long and be as healthy as you are today until you're 100 years old or 120 years old? I believe that's possible. I believe it's possible. And I'm on a journey to see it happen, Lord willing. Because, and this is an additional thing that I didn't really put into my ingredient list, and it's the blessing and serving others. There's a book called Growing Young <clears throat> by uh, Marta Zaraska. Just found this out this past week. I was doing some research. <clears throat> and uh, a really amazing commentary that was given by Dan Buettner, who, um, how many of you know the Blue Zones? Have you heard of the Blue Zones? How many have heard of the Blue Zones? That is really terrible if you don't know about this. <clears throat> you need to research the Blue Zones. The Blue Zones is uh, a research that has been made by Dan Buettner for National Geographic that's been going on for 20, 30 years. And they have identified five places in the world where people live the longest. And the reasons why. And it has to do with eating and exercising, having a purpose for life, having community. Uh, there's a whole list of things. And one thing that was missing in it that Dan Buettner says, this book helps with. And this is what, it, this, is what this book says. <clears throat> that if you want to live longer, that if you have family and friends, that it'll lower your mortality risk by 45%. I don't, I don't know how they're calculating these statistics, but it's all in this book. If, if you want to live longer, have a lower mortality risk, make sure that you've got family and friends that you're close to. The second thing is exercise. You know, if you live certain, a sedentary life, you're not going to have a long life, or if you do, it's not going to be very healthy. But you lower your mor mortality risk by 23 to 33% by exercising regularly. Wow. Powerful. <clears throat> and when, if you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, it'll lower your risk by 21 to 26%. You know what was a shocker? This was a shocker that when you volunteer to help other people, that you have carved out in your life some time where you're doing something not for yourself, you're doing something to help someone else, that it lowers the risk of mortality between 22 to 44%. So those who are serving others, volunteering, they will live longer than those who don't. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's amazing to me. <clears throat> and you know what volunteering helps you with? Realizing that there are other people 
or in worse condition than you are so you can stop complaining and grumbling. Right, I mean, you know. <clears throat> I cried because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Uh, so how do we serve others? And let me close this with this. How do we serve others? We serve others by praying for them. Spend time, not just praying for your needs and yourself. Spend time <clears throat> personally, and we encourage everybody, get in a small group so that you can pray for others, not only for yourself. You know, I don't need it. Well, there's others who need it. Get into a small group. Praying. Giving is the second thing you can do. <clears throat> and there's so many things in the world and here in Maui that uh, our church uh, provide support for in Japan and Philippines. These are all the places that we, we do missions in and we send money out to. Uh, Myanmar, Burma, Thailand, our Every Nation campus and ministry and church planting in uh, almost 100 nations across the world. Operation Christmas Child that's coming up in just a short time. Uh, all of these, when you give to Grace Bible Church, that's what you're giving to. And then finally, caring for others. And there's all kinds of things that we're involved with in caring for others. Um, Rhonda, and, Rhonda and Carol, can you guys come up? Uh, Rhonda is involved in foster children. There's a Nakiki ministry we're involved with. One Love, Living Way, Malama Pregnant Center, Made in Hope that uh, does um, work in Philippines for sex trafficking. And uh, something that began in our church almost 20 years ago, maybe even more, I always think it was five years ago, <clears throat> is Feed My Sheep. And it is incredible what happened with um, uh, Joyce and Miles. And Joyce says she had a burden just to feed five families that as a church helped them, we thought we'd feed 20 families. And then it expanded to feed 100 families. And today, thousands across Maui. Maui is probably the only place we can say that if you're hungry, it's because you don't want to eat, because there's food available for you. So um, <clears throat> Carol is one of our, um, and uh, Rhonda are part of our senior ministry. We began the senior ministry, and I thought, I don't want to work with seniors. I, I don't want to admit I'm, I'm old. <clears throat> but something motivated me that if we can begin a senior ministry where everybody does something to help somebody else, I thought that would be really a worthwhile endeavor. And there's so much uh, wisdom, resource, experience that, that's in senior lives that can be such a blessing to all of us. And what Carol has done is taken on the coordination uh, once a month for our church for Feed My Sheep. And I want to have her explain that and then... Uh, Rhonda came out yesterday, and I just want to find out from them why they do it, what it's done for them, and how uh, others have been affected and influenced by that. Okay, this is Carol. Uh, welcome, Carol. Is she coming? Well, Pastor Eddie asked me to explain or to give a testimony about why I got involved with Feed My Sheep. And, you know, what he said this morning kind of... Um, help explain it to me too, which is that, you know, we grow up, at least when I was growing up, I just 
even though my mom was a widow from the time I was four years old, my brother was two, it was a family of five, she somehow raised us. I never ever felt like I was without and I never felt hungry. And uh, so that was kind of a, you know, I was so naive. I just thought all families were like that. Everybody was like that. They don't, you know, they get what they want. They eat when they want to. But uh, I, of course, as I grew up, you know, well, the one thing that would always come to me that she would say or others would say is if I didn't eat everything on my plate. You know, the children in China are starving, so you don't leave food on your plate. Okay, so they were, but nobody else. Well, of course, I learned very soon that um, there were a lot of people in the community that didn't eat, and that really um, got to me, and I found out about Feed My Sheep, and so I started volunteering. And the first place was a location up in Haiku, and I would go once a month, the third Saturday of every month, and serve there. And then it came time for it to close down, and so then I went to Kahului, and I was serving there. And I, I think it was over 15 years ago, probably, that I started at Haiku. But anyway, when the pandemic came about, um, my sons, uh, because of my age and my health, told me I shouldn't be going anymore. And, you know, in a way, it was a relief because I was starting to feel my age. Unlike Pastor Eddie, who I think will live to 120, I'm uh, and I'm not like Caleb, who dis, uh, declared to Moses, you know, at 80, he was as strong and vigorous as he was when he was 40. I'm 80, and I don't feel that way. <laughs> so anyway, um, then I got asked to help coordinate the uh, getting volunteers for each first Saturday of the month. So that's what I've been trying to do with help. I don't do it on my own. I must say, Andrea really has helped me with getting um, groups. But I send out an email every the week of that uh, serving time. And uh, so if you're not on that list, you can let me know, and I'll put you on the list to let you know. And I hope that you will volunteer sometime. And Rhonda here, who, how long? Yeah, so Rhonda uh, started coming to Grace Bible a couple years ago, and she has been so good about volunteering when she can. Uh, of course, we all have schedules and things happen, but she has been coming with her son, Everett, and uh, I wanted her to tell you about her experience. Thank you. Um, so, you know, we have those little sheets about serving, and I like to partake, but... Right. Like all of us, like those Samaritans, people of the schedule. And so I looked at that and I thought, well, I could do something once a month and I can bring my son, who uh, yesterday was kind of an irritant. But, you know, when you're my age and you have an eight-year-old, that's kind of the way that goes. But really the truth is it's something that it's only once a month. It's from 8.30 to noon, and you go home and take a nap after because you're exhausted. But it, 
it's a wonderful opportunity to see the people in our community. And I have to say, it's helped me with judgment because so many people drive through there with brand new SUVs. I, I saw a Mercedes yesterday, BMWs, and I have to get a hold of myself and say, I don't know their story. No, they might have got that car, or maybe it's somebody else's car. And then you see people whose cars are falling apart, and then you, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's a fun thing. You get to interact with the people there. You figure out what your job is and try and share in the jobs. And anyway, and it's, you can bring your child if they can take direction. Uh, mine is, he ended up going in the car and taking a nap. So usually there's another child that he interacts with. But anyway, I, I enjoy it. And um, thank you for letting me share that. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> one, of the, one of the unique things about serving and Feed My Sheep is that they offer prayer for every person that comes through, whether they take it or not, you know, and uh, that's a time of being able to bless them uh, in prayer. And, and what God wants out of all of our lives is to have that kind of spirit that Rhonda and Carol has. Can we just stand together and uh, <clears throat> look at your life, look at how you live your life, you know, is it a self-absorbed life, or are you looking at ways in which you can bless someone else without getting any kind of uh, remuneration and compensation for it, that you can serve uh, without notice, you can serve without credit, given. And that's what God's after in all of our lives. So why don't you open your heart, and we're going to be singing a final song. Let God speak to your heart and your life. Realize that only when we have a model of someone who has been available and have helped has helped us and encouraged us and inspired us can we do what we see. And we thank you for the good Samaritan and his life and his model. And we thank you for Jesus this morning and his giving of himself to every single one of our lives. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help us to be like Jesus, who lived an unselfish life and gave his life to others. Bring us closer to Jesus in our lives. We honor you and we give you thanks and we believe that, Lord, in every single one of our lives, you will teach us how to love you more, how to love each other more, and how to serve the world around us. We pray these things in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus. And all God's people said... Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace. And everybody said, amen. And God bless you. God